I'm Shelby, and I'm from Reynoldsburg, Ohio. So what was broken on my car was really unique, and they did a wonderful job at tracking it down and had it there the next day and fixed. 3C dealt with my insurance, so I just got to sit back, and they took care of everything. I had my car back within a week, then somebody else hit it, and now I find myself back at 3C Body Shop. I would recommend 3C to family, friends, and anybody who's been an ex. 3C Body Shop. Experience the joy of watching your friends and family's faces light up when you feed them wild game you harvested and made them delicious sausages. Or meat you barbecue and grill with the finest seasonings available. Visit our friends at Waltons.com to find everything you need to turn wild game into tasty meat snacks or spice up your barbecue with new flavors and seasonings. With over 500 seasonings to choose from, there's something that everyone will love. They even have step-by-step videos and how-to articles at Meatistics to help you go from animal to edible. Use coupon RANGERS15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order at Waltons.com. Waltons, everything but the meat. This is Christian artist Wade McNutt. You're listening to the Ranger Report podcast. The Ranger Report. Yeah, the Ranger Report. If you want the inside scoop, listen to the Ranger Report. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman. Welcome, everybody, to the Ranger Report Podcast. I am Ben Dieter. You can find me on Twitter at BDieter75. I am CJ Berryman. You can find me at CJB underscore RR. And you can find us at the Ranger Report on Twitter. And our guest today, Paul Caputo, is from uh, sportslogos.net, and he has his own podcast. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Ben, how are you? CJ, glad to be here. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, glad to have you. Glad you came along now. As I mentioned to you off air before we started, I, I, I dabble in the graphic design, and I know that that's what you do for a living. Now, I told you ahead of time, I'm one of those that everybody hates because I'm self-taught. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I mean, graphic design is you prove yourself out there in the market, right? Because everyone knows everyone knows when they look at a thing, whether they like it or not, right? I mean, a lot of professions, I mean, you can't tell an engineer Eh, you know, I don't like what you did over there in that bridge, right? Like, yeah. but you know, everyone knows they see a logo and they react those, right away. I like yeah, it or I don't. Are, those are the famous last words with the engineer, right? <laughs> well, right. You know, don't talk about the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, though. You know, that, that one probably could have had some improvements. So uh, anyway, no, but so you write for sportslogos.net. How long have you been writing for them now? I started writing for them in 2014. And, and, uh, uh, and they cover all logos, right? Not just baseball. They do. They cover everything. Uh, I am the minor league baseball correspondent right there. I started writing for them a series called the story behind the nickname, where I would basically call up a team and just say, Hey, you know, what, what's your, what's your nickname mean? Why are you called what you're called? And uh, what I found that I really enjoy is that pretty much every minor league baseball team out there that's named for something other than its parent club has a story to tell that's relevant to the local community. And so all 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 those quirky names, there's a reason behind it. 
there's a reason behind them. And, you know, I'm a Phillies fan. So one of the first teams I called up, I, you know, I started getting interested in this in the early sort of 2010s. And one of the first teams I called up was the Lehigh Valley iron pigs. And I was just, you know, to a lot of people who see, you know, just sort of cursory fans who see these teams, they're like, Oh, you know, the iron pigs, they just pick two names out of a hat. Right. And, and you learned that the iron pigs are named after the pig iron that they forge in the steel mills of Eastern Pennsylvania. And so it's like, Hey, that's really cool. Right. Like that's pertinent to that local community. And so I developed this theory. I don't know if it's a theory, but it's a, it's a sort of working premise that you can tell the story of America by understanding why minor league baseball teams are called what they're called. You know, you got the history, you got industry, you got nature, uh, you know, you've, you've got all the aspects of, of American culture, politics, right? Like, uh, you know, certainly the Rangers represent uh, our, our political background uh, <laughs> yeah. with the rough riders. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's been, you know, really interesting. And one of the things I found too, is that, you know, I meet someone and they're like, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm from such and such a place. And I almost know, I almost always know something about where they're from because of minor league baseball. (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, one reason I wanted to have you on is I've been listening to your podcast, baseball by design. So you're talking about what you write now you've been getting guests on and actually talking to them about all that. That's, That's been pretty enjoyable for you. Oh man, I've been having such a great time with it. You know, for all the years that I was writing about baseball, uh, or, or minor league baseball logos in particular, I, I always found myself thinking, God, I wish I could just re- record these conversations and put them out there in the world. I would keep them on my phone, right? Like just because they were sort of fun to listen to. Uh, every once in a while, you know, you'd get like some sort of, you know, kick out of an, uh, interviewing someone's, you know, quasi famous or whatever. I, Pete Incavilia was the manager of a team called the Laredo Lemurs, which you guys might know in Texas there. Right? <laughs> and I'm a Phillies fan, right? He was on that 1993 team. And so I got, I got to interview Pete Incavilia because of the Laredo <laughs> Lemurs. Right. So, so anyway, just, you know, I was already recording these conversations on my phone and I thought, Hey, why don't I invest in a decent microphone and uh, start a podcast? And I'll tell you the pandemic you know, made us all so, so familiar with zoom that became a real easy thing to start recording these conversations. I edit them in iMovie, which I, you know, had been working with before anyway. And so, uh, so yeah, so I've been loving, uh, doing that and getting to talk to, I mean, I love talking to the designers themselves, right? Like, so I've gotten to talk to Dan Simon, who's done so many great logos, including your Hickory Crawdads and, uh, you know, and, and Jason Klein, uh, he obviously did the Frisco Rough Riders for you guys. And so, you know, so these these big time minor league baseball designers have been so much fun to get to know. Um, and it's been, you know, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, they, you know, Brandy Osa actually worked on several of those because they, they did the Down East Wood Ducks as well. So uh, I'm from Amarillo and we have a new minor league team here. How much do you know about the Amarillo sod poodles? Well, so I grew up outside of Philadelphia. I live in Colorado now. And uh, I was not familiar with the term sod poodles when they came out. That's another you know brand. What? Neither were we. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> was right. Nobody was right. It's, it's and then like I'm the, from here. We were like, yeah. what the hell is a sod? Oh, uh, it's a prairie it, dog. It's a prairie dog. And I live in Colorado now where we have prairie dogs. Right. But, uh, you know, it's fun. And Jason Klein from Radios, he told me, he's like, well, if you Google Amarillo and prairie dogs, you're going to get a lot more things before you get to the baseball team. He's like, yep. but now you Google Amarillo and sod poodles baseball team is the first thing there. Yep. So, you know, there's a strategy there. 
And, uh, you know, the sod poodles are one of the most successful teams in merchandise sales out there. And so it, it works. You know I mean? When yeah. they, when they hit on the right thing, it works. And, uh, Brandios, they're good at what they do for sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. So what makes a good minor league logo? Well, we talked about this a little bit already. I'm sure I, I, I jumped the gun a little bit, but to me, the very most important thing is just a connection to the local community, right? I mean, you need something that aesthetically is, is attractive, right? Like, I mean, and Brandios and Dan Simon and, and, you know, Sky Dylan, there's a lot of designers out there who are, who are creating logos that are aesthetically attractive. Um, but it needs to have that local connection. And when it doesn't have the local connection, you know, to me, like wacky, not wacky, whichever, that's fine. Right. If it's if it's connected to the community, that's going to be the one that 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 sticks around for a while. The teams that try to be just wacky for wacky's sake, those are the ones that are going to flame out. They're not going to have the staying power. You're going to see them, you know, get rebranded in in a in a few years. But it's the ones that have that local connection that that are going to really stick around. So, you know, whether it's a more serious one like the Wichita Wind Surge, and it's related to you know the wind energy that they have in Wichita. Yep. You know, a serious one like that, or like a wacky one, like your sod poodles there, right? Like those are, <laughs> you, you know, regardless of how wacky it is, I think it's the connection that makes the difference. And, you know, I think you're seeing a lot of these sort of generic names go away. Certainly yeah. you're seeing teams named for their farm clubs go away. There's a few holdouts, right? The Iowa Cubs, the Oklahoma city Dodgers, um, the generic, like, I mean, the, the Sacramento River Cats, well, right? The, like, the Phillies were the same way, weren't they? Double A was, uh, the, was it Redding? Yeah, they were the Redding Phillies. Redding Phillies. Now they're, now they're the Redding Fighting Phils, which is, okay. uh, you know, a reference to the old nickname from like the 50s. Yeah. Uh, but their mascot's an ostrich. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, the logo's an ostrich because it's, you know, based on their sort of wacky, they've got a wacky peanut vendor who dresses like an ostrich, right? So, um, and they used to have the Scranton Wilkesbury Red Barons as their AAA team. Now that's the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Uh, and then there are other, they've got the Clearwater Threshers, Clearwater Threshers used to be the Clearwater Phillies. Now they're the, the Threshers named after some sharks. And, uh, of course the, uh, Jersey shore blue claws who have a, uh, a crab as their logo. So that's, that's my <laughs> Phillies farm clubs right there. All right, so there's, there's always some odd alternate minor league logos. Mm-hmm. What are some of the strangest ones that you have seen alternate or alternatively? Well, so I love the, I do love these alternate brands, right? And there's, there's different classifications of the alternate brands. You've got, first of all, you've got the Copa de la Diversión, where they have the Spanish language brands aimed at sort of bringing in different, uh, you know, different folks from, uh, you know, Spanish speaking fans in, in different communities. My favorite sort of wackiest one there is uh, from the Richmond Flying Squirrels who just did like a Spanish translation of flying squirrels, uh, which is our Diaz Voladoras and made them, uh, like a, like a Mexican wrestler. So they put him in like a luchador mask. Right. Mm. And so like a Ray Mysterio type deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that's a great one. Um, sometimes they'll just do, you know, you'll see like the Ak- Akron traffic cones, right? Like they'll just do something <laughs> that's like, you know, Hey, there's a lot of traffic around here. We're going to be funny about it. Uh, the bowling green, <laughs> The Bowling Green Hot Rods did one that was just hilarious, where there was a famous incident. They've got the Corvette Museum in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and 
there was a famous incident where a sinkhole opened up under the museum and they lost like 16 Corvettes oh, into this man. sinkhole. Oh, no. And they so they gave one of those Corvettes to me. Right. Yeah. You could have had that one. <laughs> and so so the Bowling Green Hot Rods did a promotional night where they were the Bowling Green sinkholes. <laughs> and <laughs> and that was kind of and like nobody outside of Bowling Green like got what was going on. But like everyone in the local community thought it was great. Um, obviously, you know, the one that we see a lot of now is the food-based one and the food-based logos that was started by the Fresno Grizzlies used to be triple a. Now they're single a, uh, they're a Rockies affiliate now, but the Fresno Grizzlies, like, like eight, nine years ago, rebranded for a weekend as the Fresno tacos. And they did that because Fresno apparently has a lot of taco trucks and they would do like a thing called the taco truck, uh, the taco truck throwdown at their ballpark where taco trucks would show up and they would just basically like have like a, a contest for the best tacos in Fresno. And so one year they just decided like early on in the days of, of these temporary rebrands, they rebranded as the Fresno tacos and it was a massive hit, right? Like it was a huge hit right around the same time. My Lehigh Valley iron pigs, they were introducing their like bacon themed logos. <laughs> and so the tacos and the iron pigs got into this like contest where they kept like rebranding their food-based identities. The, <laughs> the, the iron pigs did like a cheesesteaks night. They did some, the, in Philadelphia, we call sprinkles jimmies. And so they did, they, they rebranded as the Lehigh Valley jimmies. And then all these other teams started doing rebrands based on local flavor. So like the most recent one, the Akron rubber ducks are now uh, they're rebranding as the Akron Jojo's which was a phrase I had never heard before used to describe breaded and fried uh, potato wedges. And so, and so I researched this, I, I researched like the whole history. I know way more about fried potato wedges than I ever thought I was going to. Uh, but like, I don't know the Delmarva scrapple is another one. They're named after this weird meat product from Philadelphia, which Ben, if you've got some experience, you know, if you've got roots in Philadelphia, you may know what scrapple is, but it's like, all the stuff they won't put in hot dogs basically. Yep. And they like grind it up into a paste and fry it up. So, yep. so anyway, oh. all these, all these food based ones out there. And it seems like every team basically is doing, uh, you know, a, uh, a food based rebrand, a temporary identity. And see, I was stationed in the air force, uh, for six years and it ha just so happened to be, I was stationed in Alamogordo, New Mexico when the El Paso Diablos, Mm. changed from the Diablos to the El Paso Chihuahuas. Exactly. And I yeah. thought that was a great rebranding. <laughs> that, that, the, re the Chihuahuas are the one that, uh, that Brandios will tell you. They, they describe a thing called the J curve and the J curve is like actual scientific research that describes the reaction that people have to seeing something new that they hate. And then like going through essentially what are like the five stages of grief to come around to accept it and finally like love it basically. And he, uh, Jason Klein from Brandio said that the El Paso Chihuahuas had the steepest, sharpest J curve of anything they've ever done. Like people hated it 
more than they hated any other thing that Brandios has ever done. Turned around, absolutely loved it. <laughs> Broke every record for merchandise sales. And so mm-hmm. it's, uh, I've got a hat back here on my wall. I've got a <laughs> Chihuahua's hat behind me here. So, cause I love it. And, uh, but you know, I didn't have a connection to the, to the, uh, the Diablos and before the Diablos was the Dukes, of course. And, no, 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 I'm sorry. That was Albuquerque. That was the Albuquerque. Dukes. Yeah. I was going to say Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so what's, what's funny, what's funny about that whole thing is, uh, my family, we have three generations of Chihuahuas and I hate Chihuahuas, <laughs> you know, I mean, other people's Chihuahuas, you know, mm-hmm. mine is fine. Oh, yeah, sure. my, my family is just fine. But yeah. We have three generations of Chihuahuas going back to, to, to my childhood. And, and yeah. so when they changed the name to that, I was like, what did they bark? And they all bark, no bite, bark, bark, bark and run. You know, my, my two favorite over the last, over last season, watching baseball here in Texas, was during the Texas State Fair, Frisco did the Frisco Corny Dogs. Mm. That was a good one. And then I think yeah. the best one, the the Corpus Christi Hooks, yeah. are, you know, it's Whataburger Park. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they did the Whataburger Honey Butter Chicken Biscuits. God bless they, it. They, bless oh, and their they jerseys, wore the whole Whataburger their jerseys were orange yeah, and white stripes. It was, well, it was pathetic looking, but it was so funny. <laughs> it was so funny. You could uh, you could argue too that the first food based identity was really the Montgomery biscuits. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So which yeah, that's is true. Which is a great one. Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of Texas, which Rangers minor league logo is your favorite, and which one do you think could be improved on a little bit? So I really like the uh, the Hickory Crawdads. Yeah. Um, that one. If I, you know, if I were going to own uh, some gear from some of these teams. I would, I would go with the crawdads um, really like that one a lot. I mean, I like, so I like all of them. I like the, the side stories that they, they have, uh, you know, the round rock express are their names Nolan. for Nolan, Nolan Ryan's Ryan. fastball, yep. right? Yep. Like mm-hmm. the express is the, you know uh, so that's cool. Cause there's, you know, there's, there, there are about 12, 15 teams out there that are related to the, to the railroad industry. Uh, you guys in Texas, you've got the Cleburne railroaders as well. The independent American yep. association team. So, um, so that's a, you know, that's a good logo. That's a Brandios product. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I like that brand. It's probably the most serious of all of them. Um, the, uh, the rough riders, the whole like Teddy Roosevelt story, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's just a great brand right there. Yeah. And, um, there was a, there's a new team called the Glacier Range Riders and they've got a bear in like the national park service bus, uh, holding a bat, like a big stick. And I think he is a Teddy bear holding a big stick, just like Teddy Roosevelt uh-huh. walks <laughs> awfully and carry a big stick. Speaking yeah. awfully carrying a big stick. Exactly. Um, so the one I, you know, I don't think I, I would necessarily, it could be improved on because, you know, I'm, I'll tell you, I, I am a graphic designer. That is my background, but I try not to engage too much in that game that graphic designers love to play of criticizing each other's work because man, that is something <laughs> yeah. graphic designers yeah. love yeah. doing. <laughs> um, but I would say the, the one that sort of speaks to me, the, the least out of the Rangers uh, affiliates is the down East wood ducks. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just because I don't have any sort of connection to, uh, you know, decoy ducks or yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, I did this sort of scripty font on that one. I don't love as much as, as some of these other ones. Um, so but, you know, all four of your teams have logos that are designed by, you know, one of the big firms out there. Mm-hmm. And it's a it, visually it's a it's a strong set of of logos yeah. uh, for, you know, for one franchise. 
So what are some of your favorite minor league baseball ballparks to, to visit? So I do a thing with my buddies called baseball Palooza. And every year we pick a different part of the country and we go see four games in four days. And so I have been, I've been lucky to get to see some, some great minor league ballparks. Uh, my probably the sort of quintessential minor league baseball experience to me. And this is, this has a lot to do, I think with just the, uh, you know, the sort of sentimentality of, of this team for minor league baseball fans, but the Durham bulls, Durham oh, Athletic yeah. Park. Oh, going yeah. to going to see a Durham Bulls game. Like first of all, it's in a cool part of town. They've got this great brewery right there by the uh, by the ballpark. They've got the Hit Bull Win Steak uh, sign uh, out in the outfield that is the only carryover from the old ballpark where the movie was filmed. And uh, you know that that was just. I mean, that was just a really just fantastic baseball experience. Um, some of the other ballparks that I've really enjoyed, um, you know, triple a obviously has a lot of great ballparks. I really liked Albuquerque, uh, going to see the isotopes there. They've had the whole like Simpsons theme, of course, right. So they've got like the Simpsons statues and everything. The Nashville sounds have a beautiful ballpark. That was another great one. Uh, and while I object to the parent club name, the Oklahoma city Dodgers, uh, have a great one. Salt Lake bees have this amazing view of the mountains out behind, uh, uh, beyond beyond their center field wall. Yeah. And then uh, you know, I've seen some good independent ones too. The the Missoula Paddleheads. I we did a, a road trip up in Montana a few years ago or or last summer actually. The Missoula Paddleheads. Uh they've got this, you know, situated right there in the mountains in Montana with this like incredible scenery. And so so those are some that are sort of classically good ballparks. And I could probably go on. The Portland Sea Dogs was a, a classic, the Asheville Tourists uh in North Carolina. These are all just like really beautiful ballparks, places. And I'm sure there's a bunch I'm leaving out. I went and saw the Wichita Windsurge last year. They've got a brand new ballpark that's really nice. But the one that I want to, uh, that I sort of want to highlight, it doesn't, well, it exists, but they don't have a team there anymore. Um, in fact, I think the Down East Wood Ducks exist. It's not the same franchise, but I think they popped up to replace the Bakersfield Blaze. Bakersfield, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, on one of these road trips, the very first uh, baseball palooza that we did, we went and saw a a game at Sam Lynn ballpark in Bakersfield, California. So you're, you know, it's August, it's 120 degrees in Bakersfield, (laughs) this ballpark, you know, that's sort of a, a glamorous term for what is essentially just like a city park, right? Like it's just like surrounded by like a chain link fence with some like metal bleachers. And the, the really great thing about Sam Lynn ballpark is that it was built backwards. And what I mean by that is most ballparks are, are are built facing East, Mm -hmm. right? So that the sun is setting behind the batter so that you're not staring at the setting sun while you're trying to, you know, bat in the third inning of a, of a night game. Well, Sam Lynn ballpark was built, you know, a hundred some years ago before they were really worried about night games. And so it was built facing the wrong direction. (laughs) So when we went to this game there, like, I mean, everything about this ballpark, one time they, they had a sprinkler malfunction and the field got covered in water and the, the, a coach from the, the team called the Vesalia Oaks who are now the Vesalia Rawhide. He suggested just pour some gasoline on it and light it on fire and they did that and they scorched the hell out of the infield and they had to play on a scorched infield for the entire year. Cause no grass 
grows in Bakersfield. But but my favorite thing about that was the 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 game being paused in the third inning while the sun set behind the center field wall. Like they just basically had nothing else they could do except for like pause the game behind the center field wall. So for all of these like classically beautiful ballparks that exist out there, you got to pick one ugly one, right? (laughs) That, that experience in Bakersfield was just like such a classic minor league baseball experience, right? Like it's just everything about like, small town, like goofy, quirky, minor league. I mean, it was, it felt like a real bulldozer moment, right? Like that, it yeah. felt very much like a, you want to rain out, I'll get you a rain out. So <laughs> that is a fantastic story, Paul. That is a fantastic story. That is great. All right. Well, I think, and uh, I wanted your opinion being a big minor league fan. Do you think the lockout could wind up being good for minor league baseball since they're kind of going to be the only ones going? I'll tell you, that's a, that's a glass half full way of looking at this. I appreciate that. Uh, that's that sentiment there. You know, the, the big fear obviously is that the the sport itself will just lose fans yeah. uh, in general. Um, I mean, I think about it from a perspective here in Fort Collins, Colorado, we've got a new, uh, a new independent minor league team just down the street. That's just starting this year, the Northern Colorado owls with a Z and you know, I think a lot of people who are looking for a baseball fix will go see an Al's game, right? You know, it's, it's about an hour for me to get to Denver to see the Rockies game. It's going to be a whole lot easier for me to get to an Al's game. And I think a lot of people who are looking for, you know, to your point here, they're looking for their baseball fix. They've got a new team right around the corner. And you know, if you're, if you're South of Denver, you can go see the Rocky mountain vibes with their awesome uh, marshmallow uh, logo or you could come see the Northern Colorado Owls. And, you know, that's, uh, I, I think, I think the possibility exists that minor league baseball will see an increase in people subscribing to the MILB first pitch app and the, the TV streaming service for teams that offer that. Uh, so, so yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope that the thing you see on Twitter these days is every minor league baseball team out there trying to convince people, like remind people like, Hey, we're not affected by the lockout. We're not affected by the lockout. So um, I do have another funny story since I mentioned the vibes, by the way, uh, and I'll, I'll keep it quick, but they had a, uh, (laughs) they had a name, the team contest. And the, the name that won was the Rocky mountain happy campers. And oh. so they, oh, they, no. they developed this whole brand around Rocky Mountain Happy Campers. And then like literally like a month before they were about to unveil the 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 name, the president of minor league baseball, Pat O'Connor, Pat Connor, he's since retired. Um, he discovered that there was a marijuana dispensary of the, uh-huh. of the same name, Rocky Mountain <laughs> Happy Campers. And the team knew about it and they didn't think it was a problem. But, uh, but he decided, you know what, we can't, we can't have that out there in the world right now. And so we don't, we don't need that energy. So he made them change. And so they had to come up with a name that fit all of this branding they had already developed because you couldn't possibly in a month create new branding. So Rocky mountain vibes is meant to be about the, you know, like the feeling that you get when you are camping and uh, it's just because they couldn't be the happy campers. (laughs) (laughs) That that is a funny story. All right. So uh, who's been one of your favorite guests so far on your baseball by design podcast? Well, so I mentioned um, Dan Simon a couple of times. Uh, you know, I, I really do love talking to the designers. I was, I was extremely lucky that Dan Simon, who is incredibly talented and, um, 
and I think probably, you know, not cheap. I don't know what he charges, but I think these high end des- designers deserve to to charge, you know, a good amount yeah. for what they do. He just reached out to me and out of the goodness of his heart offered to design a logo for my podcast. And I was oh nice. And he did such an amazing job with it. I collect helmet Sundays from these ballparks. Right. So I've got a huge collection of those. And so he you got a little bit of a plethora up behind you there. <laughs> well, yeah. So I've got the hats here behind me, but out in the basement in the, you know, the back room here, I've got a shelf with 350 helmet Sundays on it. Wow. <laughs> every, every one of them different. And so, so, but he is, you know, Dan Simon and Jason Klein are both just like, so like sort of thoughtful and introspective about the process of graphic design that, you know, it's, I love talking to them about, about graphic design. Todd Radom is another designer. He did the Wichita wind surge and he did the Brooklyn cyclones and he's done like Super Bowl logos. And, you know, he does the, the big three uh, basketball thing. And so, so he's done a, a ton, but I just, for pure, just like the thrill of getting, you know, the guests uh, on, was uh, I got to speak with Jamie Farr, who played Klinger on MASH. Oh, and yeah. Ben, ben was talking to, me, talking to me about this right when you went to go get a drink. He, 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 so when he wasn't wearing women's clothing, right, he was trying to get the, sex, <laughs> the, the Section 8 discharge. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he would wear women's clothing. When he stopped with that, he was from Toledo and grew up watching Toledo Mudhens games. And so they thought it would be funny to make him like a Toledo Mudhens fan on the show on MASH. And so here's like 11 million people a week watching this TV show with Klinger wearing Toledo Mudhens gear. And I had spoken to him once years ago for an article on sportslogos.net. And I just emailed him and I said, hey, we talked a while ago. And he's like, yeah, I remember. And and uh, and I said, would you would you be willing to come on the podcast and have essentially that same conversation again? And he's like, sure, I would. And. So, uh, you know, I sent him a Google invitation and, and, a, and, and zoom information. And, uh, sure enough, there he was like right at the scheduled time he comes on, he's got like some of the jerseys that he had from when they recorded mash. Wow. Um, he's got like the bobbleheads that the Toledo Mudhens did for him, uh, when they were doing that. And he had been recording, um, what do you call it? The, uh, the cameo things like where you, you know, you, you pay 50 bucks and a celebrity says happy birthday to your mom or whatever. He had been, he had been recording cameos all morning. And so he's like, (laughs) he was already set up and, uh, you know, had the, had the tech already up and running. So, and he kept reminding throughout the entire interview, he would say, I'm 87 years old. And he would tell me about like all the famous people who we knew who were now dead. And so, (laughs) Uh, you know, but it was still like, I grew up watching mash. I mean, I love that show. And, and, yeah. uh, and so that was a total thrill. So, so that was really I, I fun. I still watch mash. I mean, it's I, great. I grew up on it. Yeah. It's still, yeah. it's still, it's, 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 an, it's a, it's, it's a timeless treasure, man. It is. It is. Um, another guest who I really liked is, uh, a designer. Well, he's an artist who creates, um, who he creates, uh, characters for like Disney and Fraggle Rock and the Muppets. And he's worked with Jim Henson and, uh, and that sort of thing. And he's worked with, uh, uh, well, well, he worked with the Portland Sea Dogs and the New Britain Rock Cats, and he's done a couple of different logos, but he created the Portland Sea Dogs logo that I just absolutely love. And so it was when he does the Nancy and Sluggo cartoon. Uh, so it was like really fun to talk to this guy who's like a huge baseball fan, created this logo because he loved it and wanted to create, you know, a character for a baseball team. And that's where the Portland Sea Dogs came from. And so, um, so, you know, those are, those are just some folks, uh, I've gotten to speak with, you know, like play-by-play announcers. Emma Tiedemann was the Portland Sea Dogs um, 
is, is the Portland Sea Dogs play-by-play announcer. Uh, Emily Jansen was the first AAA general manager who was a woman. I got to speak with her. And so, yeah, so, so some cool folks. But if I had to pick just one, I would say Jamie Farr. Yeah, I would have to agree with that one. So, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got kind of a fun story about mascots. Uh, I was in 2019, right before COVID. Um, I was covering a Sodbills game, and I'm in the you know the the, the media well right next to the dugout, mm-hmm. and there's Moises Alou. Wow! And I'm like, I didn't know he was the hitting coach for <laughs> for the San Diego Padres, but yeah, he'd come down and he was watching them. And then there's a you know, I got a picture with Tadeo Nomo. I got to cover Fernando Tatis Jr. and got a picture oh. with him. But the funnest, actually, funnest night that I got to cover them was when you know the Padres have the famous chicken. Yeah. And so he came down and the, the, the sod poodles at the time were the double a farm club of the Padres. So the famous chicken came in and it, this guy's been doing it for 40 years, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. however long. Yeah. And you know, he's still as energetic as all hell. Yep. And, and, and there, there was like, it was like in the middle innings and they had banter between ruckus, which is the sod poodles uh, mascot and, um, so he's out there, you know, famous chickens doing his thing. And then he runs up to, to ruckus and ruckus has his arms crossed and just look at him like, man, you're stealing my show. <laughs> <laughs> the famous chicken just gets down on his knees and goes, I'm not worthy. <laughs> it, was, cool. it was so, it was so neat. Oh, uh, that's awesome. My, my favorite covering a minor league team story is the opposite of that. I was at uh, a rough uh, round rock express game. This is years ago. They were retiring Jackie Moore, who was he, he went into their Hall of Fame. Jackie Moore, and uh, I'm on the field. You know, it's my first game to cover ever. Like I'd never done no, anything I, before. I know, yeah. I know the story. And I'm the standing story. there, and they go, "Oh, here comes someone to interview." And I turn around, and it's Nolan Ryan. Nice, that's because he's awesome. friends with Jackie Moore. You know, and his son yeah. owns the team, and he is so anyway. Like the whole time, I'm just staring at him, and I told CJ, "There's no way I could have asked him a question because it would have come out like blubber." Because you know, yeah. I spent my whole life idolizing him. You know, I grew up yeah. in Texas as he was a Astro and then a Ranger. You know, and it's just yep. it was so funny. I, I had nowhere. I just stared at him. Everyone else thought probably thought I was mute or something. I just stared <laughs> at him for, for the entire you know ten minute interview. Well, unfortunately, I did that. I did ask Paul Goldschmidt a really dumb story <laughs> at a at a Memphis Redbirds St. Louis Cardinals spring training game in Memphis. And I had interviewed him once before um, the diamondbacks reached out to sportslogos.net and said, we'd love you to cover our new logos when they came out with like the dark gray pants and the whole, mm-hmm. like the yeah. really wacky, di- they wanted to, they were trying to promote it and they reached out to sports logos and they asked if we would cover it. And so they set up an interview for me with like some players on the team and they tried to sort of position it as the players designed these logos. And so I had an interview with Paul Goldschmidt and we talked about it for a little bit and it went fine. And then years later, <laughs> I, I was at this game in Memphis when he was on the Cardinals and, you know, all these people are like gathered around and they're asking him questions. And I was just like, Paul, I, you know, years ago, you and I, you know, you and I spoke about the Arizona Diamondbacks new uniforms and, you know, and I said, instead of just being like, now you're on the Cardinal, my question was now you're on the Cardinals, you know, how do you like playing on the Cardinals with a much more sort of like conservative uniform and a classic look. But instead what I said was, I'm not sure if you remember that interview, And then, and then paused as if he was going to say like, oh yeah, Paul, absolutely. I remember that. And he just sort of like dead silence, didn't you? Dead silence. And everyone (laughs) turns around and looks at me like, like this. And um, so 
you know, and, and, and he, fine, he was kind about it. Right. Like he didn't like burn me or anything, but I was just like, anyway. And so I, you know, but it felt like a, like, it felt like an, a half hour of silence there before yeah. I was just like, anyway, oh, there, there's a, there's a, there's a famous beat writer for the Dallas Cowboys that um is known for not, not uh, pulling any punches. I was, I was, I was about yeah. to do that. And, I, was and on, I had yeah. my, I had my own story, but with an interview we just yeah. recently had. Oh, oh yeah. Brad yeah. Yeah. Sam. So yeah, I'll, I'll let Ben tell his yeah. story. I was on, his name is Mickey Spagnola. And I used to do a, a general sports podcast, not just a baseball one. So we had him on and it was when Tony Romo was having all of his back problems. Oh yeah. And so, you know, my first question to him, I thought I'm going to throw up a softball question, you know, and it was something like how important is it for Tony Romo to, you know, come back healthy and blah, blah, blah. And there was like three seconds of silence. And he said, that is a, such a stupid question. <laughs> Uh, it's and such of course, a terrible feeling. My co-host who helped edit it, that plug, you know, he used that clip for the next five years. You oh, know, of course. Every of time course. I asked a question, that clip would show back up. So yeah, but I mean, and it was a stupid question, but I thought, well, I'll just throw him up a softball. And of course, he's been covering him for 30 years at that point. Yeah. It's you know, like, here's an invitation to talk, right? Yeah, and he's, he's like, Yeah, yeah, that was stupid. And I was like, Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And so we had we had Brad Sham, Hall of Fame broadcaster for the, the Dallas Cowboys on a couple couple months ago, or was it like six weeks ago? Yeah, something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. Anyway, it was pretty recent. Um, and of course, I'm Star Trek. I, I've listened to, to Brad Sham my whole life, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I he, he did this good, long, elaborate answer. And I just had the question, the next question in my head. <laughs> and instead of, you know, it could, you know, can you follow up and can you can you elaborate a little bit more on that? I asked a follow-up question that he had just answered with his previous question. And he, so I asked him the question. He just flat out goes, did you not listen to anything no. I just said? <laughs> oh man. And because I'm the editor of this show that made it on the actual podcast. Of course. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. We're, we're nothing if not humble on this podcast. We make fun of ourselves. More than anything. You so, have to, right? You yeah, have to. Yeah. yeah. I do have a, a just a quick funny story, the sort of reverse of that, where uh, I was again, Chris Creamer from sportslogos.net got me credentials at spring training uh, to go ask the Rockies. The Rockies were unveiling essentially a new shade of purple because their <laughs> old purple looked too blue on television. And so Chris sends me in here. No, and it I, didn't. And, uh, well, and so, so. I'm just like, I'm like, I have a press credential into the Rockies clubhouse. Right. Like, so I feel good about that. And I'm like, and then when I finally get it all set up, I'm like, I got to go ask players about a shade of purple. And I, you know, so I, I get in there and, you know, I've had, is it, is it, is it like a different purple, like a Prince purple or just a, it was <laughs> it, right. Exactly. Well, and that was sort of the question, right? Like, like this one over here is like, if you look at it, it was bluer, like side by side, this one here is a little bluer than this one here, which is sort of more purple. And so I get in there and I literally, I did nine interviews with Rockies players Carlos Gonzalez, Trevor Story. I mean, I mean, like, like big names. And these yeah. guys were, some of it was, yeah, they were all kind to me. No one was unkind to me. Um, I did have one player who was just sort of like, you know, I'm not, I'm not really your guy. He's like, this is my first year on the team. And he's like, and he was totally kind about it. He didn't big time me or anything, but like, you know, the fact that I was asking these guys about the color purple, but Nolan Arenado, first of all, I sat there. I waited for like 15 minutes to talk to him because he was talking to some other like blogger basically about his gear. And he's like showing him his glove. And he's like, so like psyched about all this stuff. So I get, I finally like get my turn 
And he turns and he looks at me and I'm just like, Oh God, this is going to like, this is going to be a disaster. And I'm like, I'm Paul Caputo. I write for sportslogos.net. And you know, you guys are playing with a new purple, uh, and he went into, I swear to God, like 15 minutes of how <laughs> psyched he was about the new purple. Cause rant about like, he likes the black vest with the sleeves and he likes that. And I was just like, this is like the most ridiculous, like, you know, this guy is <laughs> worth millions of dollars. And, and like, he's talking to me about the shade of purple that the Rockies are wearing. <laughs> I couldn't believe the quotes I got for this article. So, Oh, that's good. Um, that's amazing. I do have to say one last thing, CJ, about, you know, just our, our stories here. Uh, this was 4th of July in Colorado Springs in 2014. So they were still the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. The famous chicken was there. And my daughter who was six at the time got picked out of the crowd to dress up as a baby chicken and go out on the field with the famous San Diego or the famous chicken. Nice. There were four little kids. She was baby chick number one. And the routine was everything he did. They had to sort of like imitate. And so he's doing the same thing. They did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like the laugh that, so the the chicken goes and like lifts his leg, uh, like he's peeing on the umpire. Right. And then my daughter, Maya, lifts her leg like she's peeing on the umpire and just the, the crowd just like erupts right and i was just like that's my daughter out there Dude, that is so that's, awesome. my, that's my chicken story yeah he, he did the peeing on the umpire thing a couple times in uh, that game. So so good. that's funny all right well before we let you go we always ask guests that we have in texas about whataburger have you ever tried whataburger yeah, I was, uh, so I get to travel a fair amount for work, which is yeah. nice. And, uh, we had a, a conference in 2016, uh, in, in Corpus Christi and it was November. So the, the hooks were not in town, but, uh, we had a water burger just down the street and, and I have to say, and I, you know, I, I may, I may, you know, lose some people over this. I have been to in and out a number of times. I think in and out is just like a regular fast food burger. There's nothing. I agree. Like, I agree. There's nothing that special about it to me. I like the culture of it. I like the place. I mean, you know, I've been in Vegas. I've been in California and, and, and it's, it's like, good. Don't get me yeah, wrong, but I will, I will go get an in and out burger whenever I'm in a place that has them because it's like part of the experience, the palm trees and the, yeah, like, yeah. the sunshine and like, but Whataburger loved it. Absolutely loved like genuinely. Oh, that's a good question. I'm probably like something with two patties because yeah. I'm sort of a glutton when it comes double to meat. this. To, <laughs> double meat. Uh, double meat. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and, you know, so I don't remember exactly what I ordered. It was six years ago or five and a half <laughs> years ago. So, uh, but I did spend a week in Corpus Christi, ran past Whataburger Field a couple of times. Uh, you know, I'd say it was a couple of miles from the hotel. So I actually mm. planned out a running route to go sort of along the, the Gulf there and then into the, you know, past just to see the ballpark. Yep. Um, and, uh, but then we probably ate at Whataburger like, like four or five times. Like it was like, <laughs> it was like the lunch. And so, so I'm a huge fan. All right. Uh, I, I loved when the, uh, the hooks did like their Whataburger based, uh, temporary identity. Like yep. they have that sort of that, that logo there. So, um, I will admit, I thought it kind of looked like the water, uh, the, the wonder woman logo. Um, <laughs> I can but, see that. Uh, yeah. Great burger, huge fan. Uh I love the Hooks logo too, which is the other team yeah. named for a Nolan Ryan pitch. Correct. So that named for his yep. curveball. So the Hook. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, Paul, if you're ever in the uh come down to see the Frisco Rough Riders, let me know and uh, I'll take you out to a game. 
I absolutely want to get there. I'm a huge Dr. Pepper fan, so I'm bummed yeah, that yeah. the ballpark isn't named for Dr. Yeah, Pepper too. anymore. But I still uh, call it Dr. Pepper Park. <laughs> I think you should because they don't really have another you know naming partner now. They do not. And nope. I want I want to get out there and 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 do that lazy river out there in the outfield. It's, it, and, it's just like I call their division, you know, the Texas League. It's it's yeah, not it's the not Texas League anymore, anymore but. <laughs> Right. I'm still calling it the Texas League. Right. I don't care. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all those old leagues, the Midwest League, the California League, the Pacific Coast League. Pacific all Coast those. League, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Hey, if you're ever around Amarillo, come see the Sod Poodles. Amarillo is a seven-hour drive from Fort Collins, Colorado, <laughs> and I have I have looked at that a couple of times. Like, I could get down there for a Sod Poodles. I could go see, like, the 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 Sod Poodles and the Chihuahua in a weekend, right? Like, that, yeah. I could, and see the Albuquerque Isotopes on the way back. And There you go. So, so gentlemen, I appreciate that. I will take you up on that if I uh, if I'm in Frisco or Amarillo because we'll, uh, we'll eat some Whataburger. Oh, uh, now, now that <laughs> there's you're a million Whataburgers around Amarillo, bro. It's, it's, you yeah. are sweetening the pot right now. Uh-huh. Absolutely. See, see. All right, Paul, I'm a good uh, negotiator. I'm I'm way better than Rob Manford. I can tell. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, that's that's a low bar. That's oh, a low hanging fruit right yeah. there. Yeah, I don't have to try too hard. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Paul Caputo, SportsLogos.net, and Baseball by Design podcast thank you so much for joining us this evening thank you guys this was a blast i'm a fan of what you do the ranger report yeah the ranger report if you want the inside scoop listen to the ranger report oh here we go no talking about the season well who will be the next colossus of clout We're stuck in the pit of despair, known as the MLB lockout. Lots of talk about luxury tax. That's taken center stage. How about you just raise the floor on minimum spending so guys can make at least minimum wage? Oh, the Ranger Report. If you want the inside scoop, listen to the Ranger Report. All right, one more for you. Commissioner Manfraud says the MLB ain't making money and such. But I'm guessing because of inflation, 50 billion ain't that much. Oh, here we go. Oh, the Ranger Report. Hear yeah, the Ranger Report. If you want the inside scoop, listen to the Ranger Report. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.